And today is Wednesday, March 15th, and we will be in Deuteronomy chapter 12. Cameron and I met at the jail last night for Bible study, and we had a decent amount of guys in there. And what I'm figuring out is, you know how when I first started preaching here on a regular basis, I had a really tough time with how long I went because I was so used to jail ministry having a whole hour. I'd go in and I'd have a, you know, that hour, and I got so used to it that everything seemed to flow nice, and then I was finishing up right about the time the guard showed up at the door, and that was one hour. So when I started preaching, it was really hard for me because I felt like if I only went 35 minutes or something, it, would, it just felt so short. Well, now that I've worked on it and worked on it and tried to shorten it up a little bit, so now I go to the jail, and 40 minutes into it, I'm done. There's 20 minutes left, which is fine because I got Cameron there, so I can tag team, you know, and hand it off to him, and then he's usually got something to go along with what I've done, what he saw. He's over there writing notes, and, and he's getting all excited about what I'm teaching on, and then he's thinking, ah, this is going to be a good sermon. Or he sees something that I didn't see, and he's working on something to go along with it. So, and then they forgot about us. So not only did we have an hour, we had an hour and 20 minutes. So that was the first time they'd forgotten about us since we started going back, uh, back in, uh, I think it was January. But uh, anyway, so with Deuteronomy... Chapter 12, this is starting up a new section of Deuteronomy, if you break it down. And 9 through 11 was one section. So I'm going to read just the very first section of the uh, Warren Wiersbe uh, book on this. Uh, he says that, first of all, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening, and Father, as we get into your word, we just want to come to you in prayer that you would help us, that we would, we would be able to be uh, changed by your word. Father, we know that your word goes out, you send it down, it's not going to return to you, like the, like the rain that falls and, the, and goes into the earth and causes everything to, to bloom and to grow and to produce food and all the wonderful things that we need to sustain on a physical level. Father, we know your word comes down. It's not going to return to you void. It's going to accomplish what it has been sent to do. And Father, I pray that just like the rain watering the earth, that your word waters us and we have all the things we need, uh, plentiful and bountiful, you know, on a spiritual level. And Father, we are asking for that, and we thank you so much for your word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So, uh, what uh, Mr. Wearsby said, opening up Deuteronomy 12, Moses was a wise instructor. 
he devoted the first part of his address, you know, he's talking about all, now that we're getting into this new section, Deuteronomy 1 through 5, to reviewing the past and helping the new generation appreciate all that God had done for them. Then he told the people how they should respond to the goodness of God and why they should obey Jehovah. And that's 6 through 11. In other words, Moses was helping his people develop hearts of love for the Lord because if they loved him, they would obey him. Now, here's just me talking. Uh, you know, that's something that really was trying to get across as we were starting through Deuteronomy, this very transitional book, and just talking to other people about it. And you, you have people who want to fight and fuss over Scripture. And you got people who will get a little bit into keeping the commandments, and then you start accusing them of, of, of works. And they're trying to uh, please God by the works that they do. As long as you understand that you're not being saved by the works you're doing, you should have that attitude of and that desire to do the things that God says in His laws, all of His commandments, His ways of doing things. We should have that desire, not because we're scared that He's going to punish us if we don't, even though that's better than not doing it at all. As far as a nation is concerned, a nation should be full of people who want to follow God's ways so they won't be punished. That's fine. We just saw in the chapter prior to this that he has set up blessing and cursing. We have blessing available to us as a nation when we follow God's ways, and we have cursing when we disobey God's ways. So on a national level, we need to be a nation full of people who know God's Word and fear God in that fearing God as far as respecting Him and being in awe of who He is, just blown away by what He's able to do and what He has done. So we need to be a people who want to follow God's ways. So just be ready to tell people, that are all into this grace, 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 which is how you get saved. But once you are born again, then you have this Christian walk that you're expected to walk. And we're supposed to mature in that. And the more you know about God's Word, the more mature, and you should be doing more and more good things. We want to be servants because we have been bought with an amazing price, and we should want to serve our Lord, right? So to be a good servant, you must be a clean and holy person for God to be able to use you in His service. So that's important. Alright? So... Loving God. Remember a long time ago, I said, uh, 
you know, it's good when your children obey you, but are they obeying you because they're fearful of the punishment, or are they obeying you because they love you? Big difference there. It's great that they're obeying you for whatever reason, but wouldn't it be really nice to know that they're actually obeying you because they love you? Now, how do, you, how do they know that you love them? When you discipline them when they do wrong. God is not going to let us get away with things. If we're truly His, He is going to discipline us. He's going to chastise us. And when we are chastised by Him, we know that He loves us. We know, at least we know that we are His. If we're getting away with all these bad things and we're not being chastised, then maybe we're not one of His. And we need to get that right. So they, they work hand in hand. Okay, where was that before I, did, before I interrupted myself from this wonderful reading? Obey Him. Moses repeated God's covenant promises to the nation, but also balanced the promises with the warnings of what would happen if they disobeyed. More than anything else, Moses wanted the Israelites to mature in faith and love so they could enter the land, conquer the enemy, and enjoy their inheritance to the glory of God. In Deuteronomy 12 through 26, Moses built on this foundation and applied the law to Israel's new situation in the Promised Land. The Jews had been slaves in Egypt and nomads in the wilderness, but now they would become conquerors and tenants in God's land. He set before them the responsibilities they had to fulfill if they were to live like God's chosen people and be faithful residents in the land, enjoying God's blessing. And he's got a whole bunch more that he says about this chapter. I like, I like this commentary. It's the B series of Warren Wiersbe uh, commentaries. And this one on Deuteronomy is called Be Equipped. And he goes into quite a bit of detail on chapter 12. Most commentaries that I look at have very little to say about anything in Deuteronomy. So I'm hoping I remember what I've read. And now we're going to read, start reading Deuteronomy 12. All right, hope everybody's there. It's a fairly long chapter. But the little title in the Schofield Bible says, Conditions of Blessing in the Land. So these are the conditions. This is what you're going to have to do if you're going to get blessings when you go into the Promised Land. The, these are the statutes and judgments which ye shall observe to do in the land which the Lord God of thy fathers giveth thee to possess it all the days that ye live upon the earth. Ye shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which ye shall possess serve their gods, notice little g gods, upon the high mountains and upon the hills and under every green tree. Now, this is actually, if you read that first verse, 
it's a given. You're going in. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. You know, the Word of God has told us that we're going in to heaven one day. We're going in. It, it has even told us that, remember, our promised land, if you want to apply the promised land, that they're, they're setting, getting ready to go into to what we look forward to. It's the day that we believe on Jesus, we are buried with Him, and then we have raised, we, we've been risen up with Him, and now we're on this Christian walk. That's our promised land. Notice that when the nation of Israel goes into the promised land, they have battles that, they have to, that they're going to have to fight. So when we get to heaven, we're not going to have those battles to fight. So don't think that the promised land is heaven. We, we, a lot of times that's what we think. Promised land, heaven. Now, if, they, if you are able to get into the promised land, that means you're on your way to heaven. And there are all kinds of things that you're supposed to do in service to the Lord in that promised land time. In our born-again time on this earth, we have things to do for God. So, that first verse, it's, it's going to happen. You're going in. And, now, and we know that they do go in because we've read, we've read our Bibles, and we know that they actually went into the promised land. But here, they haven't got there yet. But that first verse says that you're going in. So they, they should, they should uh, rest in the fact that, yeah, we're going in. But when they get there, they are told that you need to utterly destroy all, notice, all the places. Remember that. All the places. Wherein the nations which ye shall possess. So these people that they're going in, they're supposed to go in and conquer these people. Jericho, Ai. They're supposed to con conquer the Gibeonites, but they got tricked. So they, they actually didn't conquer the Gibeonites. And that was uh, not according to plan. And our Christian walk doesn't always go according to plan. We make mistakes. We get tricked. We, we get... The, the AI, look at AI. I, I mean, I'm just I'm talking like you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't know if you do or not, but if you go to Joshua and you read about how they first go into the Promised Land and they have this great victory at Jericho, but right after that, they go after this little place called AI and they get whipped. So, when you underestimate your flesh and you think, ah, you know, no big deal, I can handle that, you might get caught in a bad situation and get whipped on your Christian walk. Other people, we see, we, and we should not expect to go through our whole Christian walk alone. We need, that's why it's so important to understand Ephesians how in Ephesians we're part of the body. That's why we come together. Because all of us are parts of the body. And it's really important that we all stay healthy in whatever part we happen to be 
because that helps the other parts of the body do what they're supposed to do. I, I was listening to Adrian Rogers, and he was, he was talking about, you notice how people say, you know, they value one part of the body more than the other, and they'll say, well, oh, I'd give my right arm for that. Well, he said, if you don't have a liver, you know, the liver you don't even see. It's inside of you, and, it's, and if you did uh, show it to everybody, it'd be like, gross. But the arm, you know, look at that muscle. Oh, you're strong. Arm, and we love our right arm. But he said, if, you, if your liver went, it doesn't matter if you have both of your arms. If everything else was okay and your liver's gone, everything else becomes useless really, really quick. So we are part of the body of Christ, and he is the head. And we have to remember that. If you are a loner, you, you, you don't want to be a part of the body, and you're, something's wrong with that. You, you might say, well, the organized church is all messed up. Well, make your church not messed up. Don't, don't make excuses about the organization's all messed up, and then don't go, and I'm going to go do my own thing. You need to be part of the body. It's really important. We've got too many people, they just can't get along with the church body, and they are out doing their own thing all by themselves. And I know people like that, and things don't go well for them over time. You'll see over time, they end up falling away completely. Now, the, the, what they're supposed to do, verse 3, and ye shall overthrow their altars, altars, and break their pillars, and burn their groves with fire, and ye shall hew down the graven images of their gods. Notice plural, over, all these things are plural. They have many gods. Why? They're trying to measure up to the one true God, and it takes many, many, many gods to even try to measure up to the one true God. And they never can get there, right? So it makes sense why they would have all these, all the places and all of these things. And you're, they're, they're instructed, when you go in, you've got to wipe out all of these things completely. Hew down, this is uh, still in three, down the graven images of their gods and destroy the names of them out of that place. Even the names. Now, this country, our enemies within, have taken this right here, and they're trying to do that to our heritage. So they're taking a principle of the Bible and using it for wrong, when they because we we are supposed to eliminate anything that's in our homes that are that is bad that we could possibly make it an idol. We're supposed to purge all those things out. That's what they're that's what they're being told to do. They're going into a pagan area, and those pagan people did horrible things, and they're because they were religious. You know, just because somebody's religious don't mean it's good. Religious usually is bad. 
But, and they were very religious in their serving their little g-gods and making all of these altars and groves where they would go in and have a nice pretty nature scene and they would go in and, and worship their, their uh, little g-gods there. Or they'd go up on a high mountain so they can get closer to their gods. Now their gods, notice it said uh, altars and pillars and images, graven images, they had wooden images that rep- it was uh, that's what represented the female deity Astra, and then they had other things like these pillars that represented Baal, the the male uh, deity, and it was all about fertility with those pagan people, fertility, and so they had some horrible things they did within their their religion that was very offensive to God. And God didn't want anybody to even know the names of these deities, these, these false gods, I should say, and uh, wanted because they didn't want anybody to have anything left over. You know, if, if, let's say you, have, you become a new Christian, and there's all these things in your house, that you know would offend God, and you go in and you start throwing it out, throwing it out. But there's one thing you really like, and you're like, you feel so good about yourself because you got rid of 99% of all the bad things, but there's this one thing. It's not so bad to keep that one thing. So you keep that one thing, and that's the only thing you got because all the rest of it's gone. So you start thinking about that one thing more and more, and you end up going back to that one thing. God knows how we are. We're supposed to get rid of all of it. Four, ye shall not do so unto the Lord your God. Ye shall not do so unto the Lord your God. So we don't do all of those things that they did. We don't put up altars everywhere to serve our our, our God. We don't make graven images. We don't do those things. But unto the place. See the difference? Verse 5, but unto the place, singular, which the Lord, your God, shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there, even unto his habitation shall ye seek, and thither thou shalt come. Now it's singular. We have one place. Now, that's what they were talking about back then. There was one place. So they're going to end up setting up a tabernacle. And that is the place where you took your animals, all you, you know, your increase, everything that went, the things you were instructed to bring went to the tabernacle. That one place. We don't worship a place, we worship a person today. Christianity is different right now in the age of, of grace. We have one person that we, he, he actually dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. Jesus is in us. We are that tabernacle now. So there's only one place he's going to dwell in, and that's in his people. 
And thither ye shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices and your tithes and heave offerings of your hand and your vows and your free will offerings. Whoa, free will. It is in the Bible. And the firstlings of your herds and of your flocks. And there, there ye shall eat before the Lord your God, and ye shall rejoice in all that ye put your hand unto, ye and your households, wherein the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. So as the Lord blesses you, you're producing more, you, your animals are producing more, uh, little ones, and, and if you say you have a new cow or sheep or goat, whatever, it's, it's, it finally come to age, and now it's producing, and the very first offspring of that particular goat or cow, whatever, you, you took it to the Levites. And then the Levites would give to the priest. So they had, that, they had an order of things. So they, this is what they were instructed to do. Verse 8, or, or I was at 7, 8, yeah. Ye shall not do after all the things that we do here this day. Pay, pay very close attention to this 8 and 9. He, so he's telling them all these things they're supposed to do when they get into the promised land. So now, in 8 and 9, he's kind of admitting that we aren't doing the things we're supposed to do out here wandering in the wilderness. So he says, Ye shall not do after all the things that we do here this day, every man whatsoever is right in his own eyes. You don't want to be that way. You don't want to do what's right in your eyes. You want to do what's right in God's eyes. For ye are not as yet come to the rest and to the inheritance which the Lord your God giveth you, but they're very close. When they do go in, they really need to pay attention and do these things correctly. Ten, but when ye go over Jordan, now that's that picture of going through the Jordan, once you get on the other side, that's when you're in the promised land. That's when we are in our, our Christian walk. But when ye go over Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God giveth you to inherit, and when he giveth you rest from all your enemies round about, so that ye dwell in safety, then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. Thither shall ye bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the heave offering of your hand, and all your choice vows which ye vow unto the Lord. Your choice. Free will. You have a choice. You can choose to obey. You can choose not. You can choose to stay on the other side of Jordan and not go over. Some, you know, when, when we get there, one of these days you'll see where some chose not to and some did. And ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God, ye and your sons and your daughters and your men servants and your maidservants and the Levite that is within your gates for as much as he hath no part nor inheritance with you. So 
that's why all of these people are instructed to do the things that they're supposed to do because the Levites don't have an inheritance like all the other tribes. 13, take heed. There it is again. We talked about take heed a couple Sundays ago. To thyself that thou offer not thy burnt offerings in every place that thou seest. Don't do that. That's the way the pagans did. Wherever they wanted to do, you know, they made up all kinds of places. But don't do that. But in the place which the Lord shall choose in one of thy tribes, there thou shalt offer thy burnt offerings, and there thou shalt do all that I command thee. Notwithstanding, thou mayest kill and eat flesh in all thy gates, whatsoever thy soul lusteth after. Lusteth. Isn't that a terrible word? Well, here's a place where it's used, not sinful. So you hear the word lust, and you automatically think, oh, that's terrible. But no, you could really want that ribeye steak on the grill, and your mouth is watering thinking about it. You're lusting after that. So, as long as you're thankful, it's okay to lust after that according to the blessing of the Lord thy God which he hath given thee the unclean and the clean may eat thereof notice it says the unclean and clean talking about the people not the animals as of the roebuck and and as of the heart so what is a roebuck some huh a heart is a deer the second one is a deer. The roebuck, I think, would be a gazelle, but I'm not sure. But anyway, those were wild animals. They, were, they weren't the domesticated animals. So he's saying you can kill and eat those other things just like you would the roebuck and the heart. The heart as the deer. And H-A... R-T, heart, deer. So evidently it was lawful for them to go out and kill those wild animals and to eat those, but maybe it wasn't for the other. Now they're being told they can eat of these others. Uh, Only ye shall not eat the blood. Ye shall pour it upon the earth as water. So no eating of blood. When you... So, uh, let's just say you have a uh, roadkill. You're not supposed to eat it. Why? Because the blood congeals inside of the body, and you go to eat that, the blood is still in it. It won't drain out after a certain period of time. Now, if it's fresh roadkill, and you get on it quick, and you cut it, and we drain the blood out, I guess it's okay. Yummy. So don't eat the blood. You're not supposed to eat the blood. Now, uh, many pagan spiritual ritual things that they did involved drinking the blood. They would kill an innocent little baby or, or a kid, and they would drain the blood, and they would catch it, and then they would drink it. We are, why? Why are we not supposed to eat the blood? Because the life is in the blood. The life is in the blood. 
All right, so only ye shall not eat the blood, ye shall pour it upon the earth as water. Thou mayest not eat within thy gates the tithe of thy corn, or of thy wine, or of thy oil, or the firstlings of thy herds, or of thy flock, nor any of thy vows which thou vowest, nor thy free will offerings or heave offering of thine hand. So the tenth of all of that you're not supposed to eat. It's for the Levites. But thou must eat them before the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy menservant and thy maidservant and the Levite that is within thy gates, and thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God in all that thou puttest thine hand unto. Take heed to thyself that thou forsake not the Levite as long as thou livest upon the earth. Don't forget about the workers the people that God has put in place to handle all of these offerings that are brought in and to teach. So if you want to make a, a, a today application, the people that God has put in place to teach and to preach and those types of things, you're supposed to bring in a certain amount of money or chickens or cows or whatever you're supposed to bring in so to take care of the, the laborer. Now, not that, something else to think about. You know, there should not be clergy and laity in the church. should not be uh, a distinction between clergy and laity. But God calls people for certain things. And if he has called a person to be a teacher of the word or a preacher of the word, then they are different only in their job title and their gifting, but they're not any higher up. We're all on the same level. God is not a respecter of persons, and it doesn't matter how rich you are, how poor you are, how smart you are, or not so smart. You're on the same level when you're in Christ. The whole clergy being up here uh, Adrian Rogers was talking about a little kid was asked, what's the difference between the clergy and the laity? And the little kid said, well, the clergy, they get paid for being good. And the laity, they're just good for nothing. But that's, we're not supposed to have that. I, I think that when you get to Revelation chapters 2 and 3, and you see where there's these things that God hates in the churches, you got the seven churches, and there's this, uh, it talks about the Nicolaitans, and then they have made a doctrine out of it by the time you get to maybe Thyatira, which I think Thyatira is in the church ages is when the Roman Catholic Church really took, took off and became extremely powerful. And they definitely held that belief of clergy being better than the commoners. That the priest could go to God on your behalf. So you see why God, why God would hate something like that. 
So if you think that you need to come to me and have me pray for you because God will listen to me more than he'll listen to you, you're, you're, you're uh, not right. Somebody will come to me and say, would you pray for me? Why? I'll be glad to pray for you, but why are you wanting me to pray for you? Why can't you pray for you? What do you want to, what do, you want to do here? So we got that mindset that certain people are closer to God. Could you go talk to God for me? Well, I, let me introduce you to someone who has made a way for you to go directly to God yourself. His name is Jesus. So they're supposed to, as long as they're on the earth, they're supposed to uh, take heed to thyself that thou forsake not the Levite. 20. When the Lord thy God shall enlarge thy border as he hath promised thee, and thou shalt say... I will eat flesh, because thy soul longeth to eat flesh. Thou mayest eat flesh, whatsoever thy soul lusteth after. There it is again. If the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen to put his name there be too far from thee, then thou shalt kill of thy herd and of thy flock which the Lord hath given thee, as I have commanded thee, and thou shalt eat in thy gates whatsoever thou, thy soul lusteth after. Even as the roebuck and the hart, or the gazelle and the deer, is eaten, so thou shalt eat them. The unclean and the clean shall eat of them alike. So there are certain people who would be considered not worthy to do it, and then others that would be, but everybody can eat of these things. Then here, uh, oh, if, it, so we've, we've already heard this, right? We've heard this. We've already read this, but we're reading it again because it's in here again. And then it says, right after that, 23, only be sure, like if you didn't get it the first time, only be sure that thou eat not the blood. For, here's because, the blood is the life, and thou mayest not eat the life with the flesh. So it is, it is very important that we understand the importance of life in the blood. Jesus, just knowing about how good he was when he walked this earth, is not going to do a whole lot for you. He was an awesome, sinless person. But just knowing that about Jesus isn't going to do much for you. Believing that he was born of a virgin, and that was a miracle, that's great. I'm glad you believe it. You should believe it. It's critical to believe things like that. But if that's all you believe, if that's all you accept, it's, you're in danger. You must believe that he shed his blood, and the life was in the blood, and he died, physically died, and that he was buried, and that he was resurrected. He shed his blood. It drained out of him and went into the ground so that we 
can be cleansed. 24, thou shalt not eat it, thou shalt pour it upon the earth as water. Water cleanses, blood cleanses, but just the blood of Jesus. The blood of these animals, it would cleanse, it doesn't, really didn't do any cleaning, but it, it, it died in your place. So back then, you had to have this spotless lamb, whatever you brought to the tabernacle, later the temple, and we're a long ways from the temple being built. Now, he's talking about this one place. Well, it's going to be a movable tabernacle for a long time before the temple is ever built. Thou shalt not eat it, that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee, when thou shalt do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. Now, when we first started this, it was what, everybody, what every man did, whatever, what, whatever man, what he thought was right. And what, what was right in his own eyes. But right here is the parallel verse that we really needed. That which is right in the sight of the Lord. So we'll stop right there. That's a good place to stop. 25. And think about that. Let's pray. Lord, once again, we thank you for your word. And Father, as we go through this book of Deuteronomy... I pray that we're seeing some things here, seeing how important it is to, to know your word so that we can obey your ways. Father, I pray that each and every one of us would understand the danger of idols, those things that we start to love on this earth. Father, that we would be willing to take those things out just completely get them out of our lives. And Father, that we would want you to be the only one. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.